Well, some of you may not know this, but this is the beginning of the new year. Interesting. We don't think like that oftentimes. We think in other ways the beginning of the new year. Think about it. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. That's one way we think about the new year. For those that might be in accounting or running businesses, you might think about the fiscal year. For those who are teachers or students in school, you know, it used to be when I was a kid, it was the day after Labor Day. That's when the new year began because that's really what drove most of your life. I mean, you think about it, you start school and you live for the Christmas break. And then you start up again and you live for summer. We didn't have a spring break. And then halfway through summer, you live for school starting again. It's really interesting how that was the year. For the Jewish people, it's Rosh Hashanah, which this year was September 9th. But for the Christian who uses the liturgical calendar, this is New Year's Day. Interesting. We begin today with a new lectionary reading, a new gospel. I don't know how many of you caught the gospel according to Luke. That's because we're in year C. And some of you are saying, what are you talking about? See, the cycles run on Sundays A, B, and C. A is Matthew, B is Mark, C is Luke. And then we do a smattering of John in the different parts of the year. Well, we just started Luke, year C. And actually, the daily lectionary, where we pull the Wednesday readings from and then other readings during the course of the year, we use the daily lectionary year one, year two. We just started year one. So today we read from the gospel according to Luke. Just so you know that, this is the new year. So it's a new beginning in some ways. And what do we do oftentimes with new beginnings? We can make resolves, resolutions. And you can do that today. Good day to do it. And one way that I want to focus us is in thinking about the themes that we see during this time of year, in this season we call Advent, and in particular what we see in today's readings. And I'll get to that in a second. But the themes that we see during this time of year point to, in the season of Advent, Advent means coming. So we're thinking about Jesus coming to celebrate his first coming, Christmas, and to celebrate and think about his second coming, which the readings, as you heard today, are both about fulfilling the prophecies, a promise, but also a warning. That's about the second coming. But in terms of talking about his first coming, Christmas, this is when we begin to think about Christmas for the Christian. For the secular world, it's Halloween. Because when you go in stores, that's when you start to see Christmas for sale. That's when you start to hear Christmas carols. It's Halloween. Or maybe Black Friday. 
and buying gifts and making your year. It's all about the money and it's all about the sales and it's all about the gifts. And we sometimes forget about the real gift, which is Jesus. But that's what we're focusing on. And so the readings will focus on the promise of the Messiah. His first coming and second coming. And Mary, the one who will birth the Christ child. And John the Baptist, that strange guy. And his own birth. And then his announcement of the coming Messiah. All of these that we will hear woven in during the season of Advent. Because of this new year that we're embarking on. But I want to focus today specifically on the reading from 1 Thessalonians. Because in a sense, this too is kind of a new beginning in that 1 Thessalonians is probably the first New Testament document written. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. The Gospels were probably written in the 60s, except for John, which was written around 90. But Paul's letter to the Thessalonians was written sometime in the early, possibly mid-40s. And it was a message to the church about as it's forming, as it's beginning to find itself, as it's defining itself, what do you need to focus on? And it's interesting because if you take this particular passage in 1 Thessalonians 3, it really has three areas of focus. And interestingly enough, if you have your bulletin handy, look on the inside cover right under the readings. And what you'll discover at the very bottom of the page, the vision that we have here at St. Luke's. Those three areas of focus that we find in our vision are the same three areas of focus that you can find in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Look at our vision statement. We are a family of believers growing in the love of Jesus. That's an inward statement. We need to be growing internally. We need to be transformed internally. So many people think when it comes to being a Christian, it's about what I look like, right? My persona, what I project to other people, how I look, which is so superficial. That's not it. It is coming to Christ and Him filling my heart that we recognize we're sinners in need of a Savior, transformed by His grace and filled with His Holy Spirit so that we are changed inwardly. Then, then that takes over how we live. So it's that inward transformation first. And then you look and it says, sharing the joy of worship. It's that upward focus that once we come to Him and we're transformed inwardly, we desire to worship Him. We want to speak with Him in prayer. We want to read His Word and grow in the knowledge and love of Him. And then the end of this, we see serving our community and beyond. It's that outward focus. We have to. We're compelled by the Holy Spirit to serve other people. Agape love, sacrificial love. Giving ourselves away, taking the message to the world because they're in desperate need. The promise 
and the warning. We can't miss that. So now with that in mind, I want to go to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 3. And if you have your bulletin handy or if you want to turn to your pew Bible, it's on page 1076. But here's what Paul starts with in verse 9. He says, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? The first thing he talks about is feelings. What's inside of us? And it's interesting the two feelings that he focuses on. Thanksgiving, thankfulness. We just came through Thanksgiving. Grateful heart and joy. You know, it's fascinating in our world today how many people don't live a grateful and joyful life constantly. It's just fascinating to me. People, and you know some of them, who have everything, who are miserable. They're just miserable. They'll complain about the smallest thing. When we should have grateful hearts and filled with joy. See, because that's not superficial. That's deep inside us. Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. See, so much of the feelings that our culture focuses on is superficial. And it's interesting because when Scripture talks about feelings, it's talking about so much more than we think of in our culture. Feelings in our culture are so much surface. Just like so much of what we project about who we are is surface. Where Scripture is talking about authenticity, deep within inside us, Having a, a, a whole person, integrity, holding together the whole of who we are that comes out. Because when Scripture talks about feelings, it goes together in our mind, in our heart, in our person. Let me show you one place where this is evident. And this is from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And this is a passage really in many ways as I talk about the discovery class, when I focus on baptism and talking about this baptismal imagery in Colossians chapter 2, so many of the words in this particular passage are feeling words, but there's also action words, and they're very much connected and related. But again, it goes far much deeper in our person when we understand the Holy Spirit penetrating our hearts and our minds and transforming us. Listen to the words that Paul uses. Put to death, therefore, that's the baptismal imagery. We die to sin, we die to self. That's why the water, whatever in you is earthly, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. All of those are feelings that we feel. Right? Then he goes on later on after he talks about a couple of actions and he says anger, wrath, malice. Interesting. All of those are feelings. 
And we're to put them to death. That we learn to deal with these feelings in a godly way. That when they begin to surface, we look at them and we say, where are they coming from and why? Some of the feelings that we feel are just absolute impulses. And we react to the strangest thing. You know the phrase, don't cry over spilt milk? You know, it's like one of those impulsive, like, don't cry over that. That's like so minimal. It's no big deal. But we react over things that really aren't a big deal a lot of times. Why? Because they reveal something else going on inside of us. Oftentimes insecurity or a threat or feeling diminished. Something. And we react. And we need to take a step back and say, what's going on with me? Instead of reacting impulsively like our culture is wont to do, we need to slow down and say, what's going on? Great passage for how this works. Let me read to you from James. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak. How many of us are that way? We're quick to speak and slow to listen. We must be quick to listen and slow to speak. Take a step back. Slow down in our reaction. Why? Let me read on. Slow to anger. Because if we slow down in our reaction, a lot of times we'll be slow in our anger. Why? For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Or as the actual Greek says, human anger. Interesting. See, anger is not necessarily a bad thing. But slowing down and saying, why am I angry? What's going on here? Is this about my feelings being offended? My self-righteousness? Or is this about something that is clearly wrong and I need to address? And how am I going to address it in a constructive way? See, that's that inward transformation that can't happen of our own strength, our own will. Because we will run out. It's by the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit working in us to transform us. And it takes time. Time in prayer, time in God's Word, transforming power by His Spirit. So then, we begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to the feeling words with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Feeling words, but not superficial feelings. Something that goes on far deeper in us because the Holy Spirit is working in us. And then it begins to work outwardly. Let me read on in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love and one another and all and abound in love for you. And he talks about doing all of this face to face. Face to face. 
In other words, we have real personal relationships, real interaction with one another, real community, honest. How much of interaction in our culture is so superficial? Number one. Number two, how much is done, for example, social media? So impersonal, so often. Because so much is communicated when we are with one another. Face to face. Spending time together, interacting. We have this new term that's out there, cyberbullying. Why? Because it's impersonal. It is easy to take pot shots at people. You know another way it manifests itself that Paul talks about several times, but in Colossians, that passage I just read with all the feelings in it? Gossip and slander. We would rather talk about someone and tear them down than deal with someone in a personal way, a loving way, and work through our challenges face-to-face. We're so afraid. What, of being wrong, of being rejected? That's why Paul talks about this face-to-face interaction. You know, the reality is you can't control people, right? You can't. You can't control many circumstances either. Learning to deal with all the challenges of life is part of this growth in dealing with the inward stuff, the feelings, so that we can deal with life outwardly. Because Paul had challenges. We have challenges. The pains and struggles of life, of relationships, the circumstances. You know, it's interesting. This popped into my mind at the early service, so I'm going to say it at this one. This is an example of not being able to control circumstances. I was playing golf with a couple of my buddies, and, um, and it was raining. It started raining. And it started raining harder, and we said, oh, let's just keep playing. No lightning. It's not coming in sideways. So we kept playing. We get to this par three on the back nine, and I tee off, and I turn to walk down these um, railroad tie steps. There's about six or eight of them, and there was like mold or mildew on them. I hit the top step, took a header down the rest of them. This was like a week and a half ago. They all thought I was dead. I had no control over that situation. I had no idea that was going to happen. I had no control over my body. Nothing. I was totally out of control, and I knew it the minute that happened, the second that happened. And by God's grace, I was okay. No, I bogeyed it. I didn't par it. I wish I had. (laughs) Anyway. But I mean the circumstances of life. We don't have control a lot of times. What happens to us? We don't always have control. 
My favorite story about that in Scripture comes out of 2 Kings. Elisha the prophet, surrounded by the, the Syrian army. And his servant is scared to death. And Elisha comes out and prays and says, open the servant's eyes. And standing around the Syrian army, this is 2 Kings 6, is the army of the Lord. See, we need eyes to see like the Lord. His eyes. Because we don't always know what he's doing. We don't under understand his ways and what he might be doing with us or around us or with someone else. We don't know. We can't control other people. We can't control circumstances. We just need to seek to work his will and allow him to work in us and through us. And that brings us to the last one, the upward call. The upward call. That we need to connect to Him first and foremost every day. Every day. To empty ourselves of ourselves and be filled with His Spirit. Philippians 2, Paul writing says, Have this mind amongst yourselves which is yours in Jesus Christ, who though He was equal with God, did not count equality with God a thing to be had, but emptied Himself. We need to empty ourselves. He took the form of a human being so he could sacrifice himself. Agape love, self-sacrificial love. Which we need to come to an understanding more and more of what that means. And it takes emptying ourselves. And then in Philippians 3, he talks about the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. That's the call on our lives. That's the call. A transformed life because of his upward call on our lives. And it's interesting because if you get to the end of the passage, for those of you that either have your Bibles open or you have the passage before you in your bulletin. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father. Holiness. See, that's where so many of us miss where our strength comes from. The word holy means set apart. Set apart by God for God. Our culture does not understand that. When they are operating according to feelings at a feelings level, they do it their way. Superficially, what I feel now, immediacy, what I want. Desires, what I want. But when we understand that what drives our feelings, what is meant to, having this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, holiness, setting ourselves apart for Him, transformed by Him. And the only way that happens is if we give ourselves to Him. Holy and completely. That he's our savior and he's our Lord. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he transforms us. 
You know, some people love to say feelings aren't right or wrong. They just are. Not exactly right. Because there are feelings that are destructive. It's really about what you do with your feelings. Because we are made in the image of God. God got angry. But it wasn't that petty, self-righteous anger like we often have. Jesus wept, but he didn't wallow. He didn't self-pity. It's learning to deal with our feelings in a healthy way. To respond to what goes on inside of us. To seek the Lord and His strength. To seek the help of others when we need it. Because we can't do it on our own. To recognize we are not in control of circumstances. And learning to walk with Him so that we can deal with anything that comes along. Because we are being transformed within Because we are seeking that upward call that he has on our lives. Because we are seeking to serve him with agape love in all of our relationships. And seeking him in ministry and mission because that's the call on our lives. That's what he calls us to. That he is our source and he is our strength. And we are going to have challenges and struggles and blessings All along the way. This holiday season is filled with all that. You know. If you're involved in family, you know. There are blessings and there are challenges. But He is able, by His Holy Spirit, to give us all we need. This is the new year. Great time for a resolution. Let's pray. Lord God, we are truly surrounded by so many blessings and gifts. So much to be thankful for and filled with your joy. And yet at the same time, pain and disappointment come into all of our lives. Challenges from family, friends, from the world. And circumstances that are beyond our control. Lord, we are not able. But you are. And our feelings fluctuate. But by your Holy Spirit. And through seeking the mind of your son, Jesus. We can learn to respond. With your grace. With your love with your peace. Lord, we pray that as we approach this time of Advent and celebrating the birth of your Son, that we would be renewed inwardly to seek you daily and have the mind of Christ and to seek to love others and to serve you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.